We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Cal Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. And it's been, it feels like a long weekend in quarantine this weekend, but we actually had stuff to look forward to, which we'll talk about to kick off the show, DJ Premier and the RZA. We're going to recap their IG battle, which didn't go how Dre said it would go last week, so we'll give him a chance to kind of explain that. But we're also talking about Dark Side of the Ring uh, that's on Vice, which it had the New Jack episode a couple weeks ago. And they're gearing up for a couple more coming down the stretch. So that's a little something we'll mix into this pro wrestling show as well. And then, of course, we'll talk everything from WWE to NXT to AEW to round out the show later. But first, you're on the hot seat, my guy. Hot seat right now. You said RZA was going to get washed. It didn't go down like that, Dre. No, and I'll go ahead and I'll explain myself. This wasn't a battle. If you watch, if if we watched it like we all thought, I got I fell into the trap. It wasn't a battle. These were two legends that were basically conversing with music and just playing joints. There was no like pre-planned playlist. There was no like, oh, you got this. I'm gonna hit you with this because I'm gonna hit you with the counter. It was like mad respect. So I made that mistake because I thought it was gonna be a battle. It wasn't. It was like 
it was it was really fun to watch because people forgot what so how many cuts that these guys had and it was funny because not only did people forget they forgot Rizzo didn't play Triumph until like the 23rd song <laughs> Premier didn't play he didn't even like he didn't play I'm trying to think there what was Mass Appeal was like number 20 21 yeah that was fine but it was like there was songs that he played after 20 actually I'm gonna pull up this set list real quick because I was looking yeah. at it he I played, mean he didn't like, play any Gangstar until 19 right he didn't play yeah. like Friend or Foe or So Ghetto until like the end so it was there was for people that were scoring it as a battle. It's really hard because it wasn't really a battle. It wasn't like two guys that were trying to one up each other because they play a joint and then Primo go, "Ooh, that was a good one." I remember when you did this and start telling the story. And then Rizzo would do the same thing. And I, at a certain yeah. point, I was like, "Oh, this isn't even a battle anymore." Now, I still believe that Primo would watch Rizzo because of what I lean towards in terms of variety. But the fact of the matter is, they just were playing bangers. Um, if you were scoring it about like it was like you know playing like a sad like for instance I'm um, looking at the track list if you scored Ghostface Killers Assassination Day versus Nas's New York State of Mind that's like a 10-8 round for Premiere but that it, <laughs> that wasn't it, it wasn't really in a battle format because if it was a true battle I know Rizzo wouldn't have played Assassination Day he didn't pl- dog, he didn't play Wu-Tang Clan in the fuck with until the 22nd song which yeah. is one of my favorite Wu-Tang songs of all time so all that to say, I will say this. I actually did forget how much stuff RZA did. Because when, when he played Run, Ghostface's Run, I was like, I totally forgot about this song. And it, and Jada Kiss destroyed that song. The other thing is, I mean, it still holds true for me. But RZA's catalog, um, that four-year run that he had is, in hindsight, it's even bigger than what I thought it was. Because I think of how many people it influenced. It's in a weird way, because like, you know, Justin Ivy from our group chat, younger white cat who loves hip hop and loves Wu Tang clan. But he had to be like three or four or five or something like that when Area 36 Chambers came out. And to yeah, have that I, I kind think of I a, was six. So yeah, That's what I'm saying. To have that me. kind of effect years later, like Wu Tang look, one, I'll never understand white folks' affinity for the Wu Tang Clan. I, I don't get it. I just it's just it's it's like bizarre because it's not because white kids who don't like rap music like that love Wu Tang Clan. I, oh, it's yeah. just they'll wear Wu Tang T shirts. It's different. I'm not saying our boy Justin's one of those cats. He loves hip hop, so this makes sense. But Wu Tang became this huge cultural phenomenon. Premier was never a cultural phenomenon. He was just an incredible beat maker. Which only appears to appeals to a certain demographic. Wu Tang Clan was for everybody, and it, it take it took everybody by storm. So when you saw these battles, like this battle come up, I leaned a certain way because of what I grew up with, and other people leaned a certain way because what kind of emotional connection they had with the Wu Tang Clan. But ultimately, hip hop won because we got two and a half hours of two of the best to ever do it playing just joints. Now the only my only big complaint. And somebody needs to figure out this audio situation because Bobby Digital being Bobby Analog for like the first half of this battle sucked. <laughs> Shout out to Parks. Parks yeah, on Parks, the boards. Parks had to come through and clean that one up. But man, <laughs> for the yeah, first no. I was like, oh man, is this what it's going to sound like? Oh. No, and then they came through, bumped up the volume. They figured it out. It made the last half of the battle even more enjoyable. But you're right. Like It didn't feel like a battle for a good portion of the time. I didn't even look at it. Like that now that you mention it, like okay, that makes a lot more sense, because 
Premier had his list of stuff that he could play, that he thought about playing, but as soon as Rizzo played something from Brooklyn, he was like, oh, you want to go Brooklyn? Yo, here, take this. And let's tell a story behind it. Oh, you want to give a Nas joint? Oh, I'll give a Nas joint. And we tell our stories behind it. So everything had such a story and melted in and out. Um, Premiere, when he played the Wu-Tang joint, was crazy. Dropping uh, 10 Crack Commandments with the custom intro. Yeah. Bananas. You talk about 10-8 rounds. That's 10-7. <laughs> I don't even yeah, know what the RZA played. That's ten seven. When you do your own custom intro, so nah, man, it was just a dope battle, dope vibes. But yeah, it shows you, and the catalog is Wu Tang heavy. We knew that last week when we talked. It's a Wu Tang's greatest hits, but that's one hell of a greatest hits. Yeah, I mean, dude, like it is. Like I went, like I started to make my own two playlists of Premiere and RZA Productions. And I started going through all this RZA stuff, and I, you know, I went through like Old Dirty's catalog until like the Wu Mansion flood ruined everything because RZA was on fire. And I went like I listened to Run. I was listening to Ghost's album. Like he didn't play Daytona 500. Like for all of us, we're like, how do you not play Daytona 500? But for RZA, who has p- produced all these beats, it's easy for him to forget. Yep. Just like it's easy for Premiere for a while to forget, oh yeah, like I did all like all these joints. Like he didn't play like Invincible, Compote Noriega, like there's so many he didn't play Pitch Black. Um like she was real like he didn't play Screwball, like he could have dug so deep. But when you if you were watching it and you saw like Premiere would just like scroll through all all this stuff, and he was like, Oh, okay, I'll play this one. Nothing was thought out. Nothing was thought out. These two just played dope music. Now we are, like we all agree like it was a great time and people are going to argue about who won and I'm sure neither of those two care. But now we have 50 Cent and Ja Ru- like Ja Rule saying he wants to do a battle with 50 Cent. This is what I don't want to see cuz this will be the exact <laughs> opposite of Premier and Rizzo where there'll be no respect for each other and it won't even be like a a song battle, it'll be a pissing contest where all they do is diss each other and then somebody's going to go to somebody's house in the middle of this pandemic and probably get stabbed again. I'm good on that one. Listen, I'm here for I'm here for the shenanigans <laughs> on both ends of this. Like, I love the respect angle, but I love the shit talking angle too. So sign me up for Fifty Cent Ja Rule, because as soon as Fifty drops, like Fifty's catalog is crazy. Like, I guess he play like the Ghetto Quran stuff. You can play stuff from Fifty Cent as Future, all the way through. I hope he wouldn't just play all the stupid radio hits, which is what it seems like Ja Rule wants to play, like singles for single, which would be horrible. But at some point, 50 just got to throw him back down and, and yeah. just disrespect him. And then the gloves got to come off. So, yeah, that shit wouldn't go well. But I'm here for the shenanigans. Like, if we're doing that, I, I'll watch. I, I won't watch in amazement like I did with, you know, RZA and Premier. But I'll, listen, I'll watch uh, the train wreck that would be that IG battle. Um, another person that came out was Puff. Puff came out and he's doing like IG Live with his kids yesterday. It was really fun. It's cool. He's making the rounds. But at one point, they were talking trash, like funny. He was like, yo, no one wants to step to me. He was like, I got I got it. Like, no one wants to smoke, all this stuff. And it got me thinking. And we did like a lot of hypotheticals last week. But I don't think we did like a Puff versus someone else hypothetical battle. Who would you put against Puff? Dre. Oh, Okay. That brings me back to the RZA thing, though, where, and you called shenanigans a couple of times during this battle between him and Premier, 
where some of those records weren't just his records. They were co-produced records. That's why I said Dre. Like, this is this is why I said Dre, because if you're going to do a Puffy-Dre battle with two guys who produced, but, they were, you know, there was a lot of other people that were working on stuff yeah. throughout Hit the years. Man. Yeah. Because, yeah, between, yeah. Track match, like, everything that Puff did, yeah, you were there. I don't know if you necessarily <laughs> had your hands on everything. Same with Dre, because, you know, everybody talks about how much Daz was involved with, like, Doggy Style or... You know, uh, Mel, like th- there's so much battle cat. There's so many people that were involved in these productions that the only way that this would be fair is if you had two guys who are larger than life, who can produce, but we really don't know how many songs they really produced. So they just do the songs that your name is attached to. So that's a fair battle to me. It'd be a one hell of a battle too. Brings back some East Coast West Coast vibes. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That wouldn't be bad. I was thinking Jermaine Dupree. I saw it in a couple of comments. No, not Jermaine. I've Jermaine talk- got some joints, and they yeah. can dive into like their R and B stuff, which is dope. Which I really liked when I started thinking about it, because you can go like Jermaine has ushered. Then, but Puff can bring back some one twelve. Like you, you can go back and forth. Puff got heavy D and the boys. Jermaine got stuff. Like it is a lot of back and forth there. I'm not even saying it to disrespect Jermaine because Jermaine Dupree has like a phenomenal R&B catalog. His rap catalog is a little sketchy in comparison. It's really? very like yeah, I mean, Puff Cross the Brat. Like Puff has Biggie. Yeah, he got <laughs> so, yeah. so that's that's the trump card on it. I mean, he's got Biggie, Black Rob, G Dep. Like you just start with those three. Yeah, you, you know, know what I'm saying? Montana. You can bring out the boys in the hood. Yeah, it Joy gets kind of rough with Jeezy. Um, yeah, on the rap side of things, it gets kind of rough. Now, in a Dre battle, Dre doesn't have, like, a ton of R&B songs either. It's just that Dre has Doggy Style, The Chronic, The Chronic 2001. You put those three albums, period, it's yeah. a long night. Snoop joints. Tupac. It's, it's Dre, Dre <laughs> might... If you go 25 for 25, and I was never... You know, I am obviously grew up in New York family ties into Uptown and Bad Boy and all that. But catalog wise, I don't know. Catalog wise, Dre might wash Puff twenty five for twenty five. It's it's a tough one, man, because it, again then you gotta start is... playing Mace. Like you gotta play what? Twenty four hours to live? Like yeah. you really started you gotta start digging deep to get like some real quality heart unless you just go straight biggie, which you can't do. Well, but Dre's catalog is way more diverse. He break out M, like Drake. Drake yeah. got too much. You got Kendrick. Like you bring in what French against Kendrick? You don't. Well, after a while, it's a losing battle. Well, the, the challenge is 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 again. It's like, well, who's the audience for this battle? You know what I'm saying? Like it's the same thing with the RZA premiere battle. There was like you could tell like some people were just no matter what RZA did, he was going to win that battle because that's what he appeals to. This kind of battle with Dre. And Puff, if it comes down to like radio hits, then it comes it gets really interesting because it's like been around the world, like more money, more problems. Like you start going through those songs with Puff, then people yeah. like people will start then reminiscing. You got NWA and well, like, see, you got different types of radio hits. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, it's like my said, name is was crazy. You could throw on that shit. Like they, Dre has different types of radio hits that are still It's, it's just a different vibe. Like, like Puffy was like sample. Loop, 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 yeah. loop. Like, he was looping everything. Dre was just like, like the. I mean, dude, Doggy Dog World? Oh, my God. Like, like, dude, Dre's catalog is ridiculous. And I would lean Dre 
because of like NWA and Snoop and The Chronic and The Chronic 2001 and Eminem. I mean, dude, there's an exhibit album. There's like there's so much work yeah. that Dre has that it's really hard. Like even songs like Hello, the NWA reunion. There's like so much work that Dre has. And Puff, for better oh, or worse, the firm in there too, which is yeah. just dirty. Yeah, well, it was that, that was an underwhelming album. Should have been better, but still was good. Phone tap was amazing. <laughs> like phone tap was yeah. amazing, but yeah, we don't got to take the whole album. You just got to take. No, we we'll take a few songs. Like yeah. Puffy's, like when it comes out of that kind of battle, Puffy's a little light in the ass. When it comes to like these heavy hitters that Dre's gonna come out with, I mean, dude, California yeah. Love. That's a lot. Yeah, it's unless heavy. you play Biggie heavy playlist, yeah, it gets. Gets rough there. I mean, RZA got away with playing just a Wu Tang heavy playlist. I guess Puff could saying. get away with it. Yeah, if, if your crowd like grew up on Puff, then they, he's not gonna lose that battle to a lot of people because it's just gonna be like, yo, all you gotta do is play like like Feel So Good Mace, and you play like Special Delivery, and people are like, oh, it's over. But if you like, yeah. if you listen to like a lot of hip hop, and I don't know, man, like I I'm on the East Coast. Like people say, <laughs> you know, I'm a real East Coast bias dude, but. Some of my favorite rappers from the West Coast, like Kendrick and Cube, are two of my favorites, and they're West Coast guys. And Dre was like a powerhouse with NWA and helping Kendrick get on, even though Dre didn't produce the Kendrick album. He just kind of helped Ali engineer it. But, dude, it's just so much work there. But Kendrick helped Dre with so much of his album. The hell with Dre I mean, helping even, Kendrick? Yeah. Like, you can pull stuff from that Dre album yeah. that came out, and like Kendrick influence on that was bonkers i mean that joint like one of my favorite kendrick songs that doesn't get talked about enough is deep water off of that album and yeah kendrick was he was just murdering shit but that that's yeah. the thing about dre like dre is in hip-hop the greatest like like the way his shit sounds is different than what like i love like puff what he's done has been great but the way Dre shit sounds is ridiculous. Yeah. His engineering and, is nuts. Him and Timbaland, to me, maybe Pharrell on that level too with the Neptunes. But even like Pharrell, like it's okay. But the quality of Timbaland and Dre is just a different level for me. Yeah, I mean that's what I like to see. I don't want to see Jaru Fiji saying like Puff saying he nobody wants smoke. Dre would like to smoke, but it's cool. Like. Like I said, I don't need too many of these battles. Like some of these things can be fun with just two guys. Like I like to see Pete Rock and Q Tip. Like if if Dilla was still here, I like to see Pete Rock and like Dilla just play joints. That's all I like to see. Just have a DJ session. And that's the yeah. other thing that was dope. Primo was on the tables doing this session. That's, that was that's dope. made it. It took it to the next level. And but the last thing we'll talk about and it's something I saw I think on your timeline that was crazy is like they were saying younger rappers were just like shitting all over the battle. Yeah. There were a few. And I don't, and you talked about audience. Like, I looked it up. I just Googled it. Uh, I think Justin Ivey's my age. But when 36 Chambers came out, I was five years old. Yeah. And people were going to be like, yo, what? Like, yeah, I was five years old. When 36 Chambers came out, I damn near still know it word for word. I was five when Illmatic came out. It was my favorite album of all time, hip hop wise. My favorite album of all time. I know it word for word. So, even kids who are 19, 20, 21, if you're a rapper, if you want to be a rapper, there's no excuse for saying, like, no, well, I grew up on low. So what? Like, I, I know BDP lyrics, album, song, like, stuff way before my time. I know because, I mean, obviously my dad would have killed me if I didn't. 
Like you'd be like, yo, you don't know hip hop if you don't know it. So I went back, I learned, I listened, I know what good music is, and I can really dive into that. It's mind boggling that kids don't even try anymore in hip hop. That's like playing football and saying, yo, I saw Tom Brady. Who cares about Montana? Who cares about L? Like what? If you if you want to play quarterback, you don't know these guys. You ain't watch these guys. You ain't doing nothing. But that's the the mindset of hip hop nowadays. Of young hip hop. It's a uh, it's a renegade lifestyle. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a, you know I, I was talking to Royce and I was talking to Fonte back to back. It was for a piece I was doing, but I ended up on the phone with these guys for like three hours, and we just were talking about like hip-hop and being grown and being adults and like i've known tay longer than i've known royce but i've known royce for a while as well dating back to my bet days when i used to work with kino and they both said the same thing they were like it is like a young renegade lifestyle for young black men and royce calls it ptsd syndrome where you're upset with like you're just mad at the world so you don't give the ogs any respect Fonte looks at it as no young person wants anybody to tell, no young black man wants anybody to tell them what to do or what to listen to. They both said the same thing to me. And I laughed because I think I talked to Tay after Royce and I was laughing. I was like, y'all saying the same goddamn thing, just in different ways. So basically, it, it, I think it comes down to, it's just, it's like young black men in, in, in particular don't like authority. I know I grew up, I didn't like authority. It was a little bit different for me, though, because I always respected, like, the culture and the elders. Obviously, my household was a little bit different as well. But young people today, and this, like, not even you or just or people that are in, just entering their 30s. We're talking about, like, people that are, like, 18. They don't give a fuck. And they're easy. They're also very easy to take advantage of. So record labels like to sign young talent. They don't want to sign old rappers, even though old rappers have an audience. They don't want to sign them because they're not easy to manipulate. Whereas young rappers don't give a fuck, so they just sign their lives away. And all they want to do is make music. So they go in there and mumble rap, uh, uh, um, scam rap, whatever you want to call it. They just go in there and make like 100 songs, right? Because there is no off switch because they don't know where the, the light at the end of the tunnel is. And if some OG comes in and is like, yo, young cat, you shouldn't do that. They're like, man, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. That's always the reaction. So when they see somebody like DJ Premier and the RZA, automatically some of these cats just immediately just go fuck them. And it's not really like that. Now, on the other side of the coin, you got a lot of those OGs that are like the get off the lawn type cats, like Lord Jamar, for instance. Like you can't do that to the young cats. You have to embrace them. You have to you have to acknowledge that what they are doing is different and you have to respect it even if you don't like it. And I say I've always said this for, for years. I've always said this. I don't have to like a song to know what's a hit. I never yeah. have to listen to it. Like I don't have to, like if I hear a song I'm like, oh, that's gonna connect with this audience. I know that's a hit. I don't fuck with it, but I know what it is. It goes both ways. So it's but it is kind of weird. Like immediately it was like, oh, these two dinosaurs battling. Yo, if there were if like there was a battle between like the Rolling Stones and Aerosmith, do you think any like young white kids would be like, oh, look at these fucking dinosaurs out here? No, they know those yeah. songs. Alice yeah, in Chains breaking records with yeah. that shit. By the way, no, <laughs> if they could get destroying. that on IG Live, you're destroying IG Live. That's what I'm saying. Like there, there is, but there's always been this level of respect. But it, but from what Royce was saying, it comes from this like white kids don't have PTSD like we do. Like we don't, we don't want to be told what to do. There is a like rap music was made. This is a funny point you made. Rap music was made as an I don't give a fuck. 
it's like that's that's all it ever was when it got really big. And NWA was the epitome of the I don't give a fuck because he was like <laughs> he was like imagine Dre, Cube, Easy, and in a in um and Yella, um and Rand sitting around at, in their thirties going fuck the police. He was like they probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, because they started giving a fuck. Once you have kids, once you have a life, you care. When you're a kid, you don't give a shit. So all that music is made out of anger and frustration. And as you get older, for a lot of cats, if you think about it, the best music was made when they were like young. And then as they got older, they they weren't living that lifestyle anymore. Like even listening to Wu Tang, like I was listening to like Run, and I was listening to like Ghostface talking about throwing away the bricks, him and Jada Kiss, and I'm like, they can't rap about that shit today. They can, but I'm not believing it. Yeah, it don't hit the same. <laughs> no, it don't hit the same. Like even no. even pushes coke raps. When you listen to him, you're like, ah, this is dope. But I know you're not doing this anymore. Not like that. Yeah. Not as a lifestyle. So all that to say, like I get why young kids, like younger hip hop, you know, like rap kids, are frustrated. But it's like you shouldn't be. Get over yourself. And it's always gonna take some OG to pull your coat in a respectful manner to say, look, man, check this shit out. Like just just listen to this. Does this shape some mold with the shit that you like today? Yeah, it's just baffling that some just don't, like, don't care to be a student of their craft. No, don't and that's it. all it is to me. Because some do, like YBN Corday loves all that shit. Yeah, he's 19, 20. No stuff word for word. No Zomatic front to back. I saw him a uh, clip on YouTube. Front to back, loves Nas. Right. So completely. And seeks all of this out. Even someone you're like, okay, a superstar level. Travis Scott recognizes that, and Travis Scott's not old. These young kids love, recognizes what happened before him. Never shit on them. Knows his style is different. Very different for hip hop. Recognizes all that. It's crazy that some, and call a spade a spade. A lot of the kids shitting on these battles or that type of culture is not just young kids. It's down south young kids. Well, because yeah, I mean, I mean, how many New York, New York, Chicago, even L.A. to a point? No, no L.A. young kid comes out, says, fuck Dre. Fuck E-40. Fuck, none of them say any of this. Fuck too yeah. short. Never, ever, ever, ever coming out of their mouth. But you know there's dudes in New York that immediately say fucky forty. You know that. Yes. Yes. They're like But there's they're, y- there's young kids down south who are like fuck all that old shit. Anything before Wayne, fuck it. They will they will say fuck outcast. Who who's big who's the dungeon fan? Like there's there's a different level of disrespect from down south young kids. There I think I mean, also to be clear, like like, you don't grow out of your ignorance. A lot of people don't. Some do. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who, like, say fuck Premier Rizzo that are, like, my age. For real. Like, they don't fuck with it. It's, that's it's a damn some, shit. Some people are just ignorant. It's just, that's just to music. That's just the way it is. And, like, down south, it depends, man. Like, down south, had uh, they had a, a knife to bury in somebody's back for a long time because they felt like they were boxed out of the industry. So some of them were like, I ain't listening to that shit. It doesn't resonate with me. You know, like... It wasn't until, like, Mike Jones and Paul Wall for some of them. Like, Outkast was too weird for a lot of people. Like, I remember when Outkast, uh, Southern Playalistic first dropped. And I, like, being from Vegas, I was like, I immediately picked that up. Like, for me, the source was my Bible 
as a magazine, that was my Bible. As a kid, I bought it whenever I saw it on the, on the shelves. And I bought with whatever the source said was dope, I was buying that shit. So <laughs> when I saw Outkast in there, I was like, oh, I'm buying this shit. Like, I would read, like, Fat Tape, and I'd read the reviews, and I'd read the interviews. I'd read it front to back. It's like 11, 10 years old, just, like, reading the source. Like, I don't know anybody in the South, like, those kind of kids who were reading the source like that. But then, on the flip side of that, you have somebody like a Bun B, who has always respected the culture. Scarface. Always yep. respected. It's just a certain way some people are raised. Because, look, man, stupid parents make stupid kids. The apple doesn't Very fall true. far from the tree. It like, happens a <laughs> lot. It doesn't happen all the time. I'm an example of that. I'm nothing like my parents. But a lot of parents that are dumb raise dumb kids because they feed them dumb things. It's up to the. It's not even up to the kid. It's up to the kid's environment to embrace them and say, yo, here's something different. Like youth groups and mentors and all that shit. But like dumb parents, if you're all you're playing is like dumb shit in the house, what do you what do you expect with your kid if he has no other influence in the world? So yeah, I, I get it when they'd be like, yo, fuck RZA, I didn't listen to Wu Tang. Yo, when I was playing Wu Tang in Vegas, yo, you know how much shit I got playing Wu Tang? Because it was all about ridiculous. Pac. Yo, oh, it was all yeah, about people. Pac. They were not that, it, different environment though. That's like East Coast West Coast battle. Like, it, it was dark. Era. It was rough. Like I wore Timberlands and people thought I was nuts. They were like, "You're from Vegas." I was like, "Yeah, okay, but I like Timberlands," and I was born in New York. But even even still, like I got my my uncle brought me mixtapes from Canal Street, so I had SNS, Ron G, Spin Bad. I had all that shit. So yeah. that like that was like my 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 treasure, like my my cheat code to the industry, because I had all that shit. And other people, like they were just too dumb, because all they wanted to listen to was like Bloods and Crips. Yo, I had a bunch of homies that all they listened to like was like Bloods and Crips, MCA, all that shit. And they were like, "Yo, fuck the RZA." And I'm like, "Are you nuts?" I watched Kung Fu flicks. They didn't. I used to force. This is funny. I used to me and my homie used all we listened to was like Wu Tang and Premiere and all that shit. And I grew up watching Kung Fu flicks, Shaw Brothers flicks especially. And <laughs> whenever we take like a, when my youth group, well, the capital, when we ever took a bus trip, like we took a trip to Idaho and had, it had a VCR, yo, we hijacked that shit. Because one, I sat on the board, I like was one of the step captains and all that shit. So everybody did what I said. And if they didn't, they just got mad. So I, the whole ride, we watched fucking Chinese Super Ninjas, Kid with the Golden Arms. Yo, some of them cats were so pissed off. But at the end of that bus trip, some of them cats were like, yo, can I borrow these tapes? I was like, no, you can watch them on crib. But you can turn people if you expose them to shit. That's the bottom line. You have to expose people. Some people just aren't willing to do it. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And at a point, the, again, at a point, you got to seek this out. Like... If you are a young rapper and you're getting success and all this stuff, seek it out now. Know who the OGs are. At a point, you don't have to be force-fed. If you reach a certain level, you never thought you were going to be famous. You're a rapper. You do stupid mumble raps. You brag about not writing your rhymes down, which a lot of these kids do. No, I don't write rhymes. I just go in there and just lay a track. Like, you know what? Great. But go learn who did this before you and how they didn't write their rhymes and how they still made sure it was clever. And, and go ask around. Go look out and seek out their music. Because you're not the first one to do it. And you're bragging about it. Shout out to Big Crit, by the way. Because Crit, obviously, is not like super young. He's my age. But he's a dude who not only loves the people down south and where he came from and growing up down south and shows appreciation. So much of that influences in his music. That's why I always held him in very high regard. And people don't give him his status because 
of being a down south rapper a lot of times. Like to me, he's Kendrick, J. Cole, Crit, and Drake are those four. Like from that era, those are the four guys. And I put Big Sean in for fifth, but a lot of people disagree with that. <laughs> you included. Don't laugh at me. You always give me shit for this. But I think Big Sean, like those are like the five guys, right? Like if there's that mixtape, you know, blog era rappers, those are the five. Up if you want to go for a SmackDown six, Wale is the six. Those I, are the SmackDown six of that era. And no, you cannot kick Big Sean out of that. I put Wale ahead of Big Sean. Okay, so they're SmackDown six. They both deserve it. If you had to go four, Mount Rushmore from that era, they're both out, and Crick gets the four. Yeah. But, yeah, those those guys, just something special about that. But all of them, even though they're younger, they're in that in-between wave, All always respected the stuff that came before them. And then now I'm not sure who that next, you know, 18 through 21 year, 22, 23 group is that can carry that. I guess Chance is in there. Chance recognizes shit. Yeah. Some people don't like Chance. So it's interesting. Interesting to see how, like, these young kids relate and, uh, you know, pay homage. So I don't know. We'll probably keep seeing these battles. Let's get into some pro wrestling, though. Um, Before we start talking about WWE and some of their craziness, real quick, you finally watched the New Jack episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think of it? That now, last time we talked, we we're like, "Yo, everyone's like, yo, you should get New Jack for a panel. You should be on wrestling with stereotypes, all this stuff." I said, "Cool, this shit's gonna get crazy." You have now watched the documentary. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I still want New Jack, but um, my God, man. <laughs> but so, um, I might get stabbed if I do a hot take. Yeah, well, first and foremost, uh, if anybody has the opportunity to seek out Forever Hardcore, it's a documentary about ECW that was. Not through ECW, so it's very. It talks about the mass transit incident. It talks about uh, New Jack tossing. Oh God, who was it? Off of the damn scaffold. It's like a lot of stuff in this documentary. I don't even know where my copy is, but it's on YouTube. You can find it. Um, so a lot of stuff has been covered. A lot of stuff has not been covered. Like New Jack stabbing that dude, not been covered. Um, <laughs> I still want him because there is still a fascinating part of New Jack to me dealing with what he dealt with and being able to get away with the things that he got away with this thing that scares me about new jack is at a certain point i don't even know if he ever recognized it but he his his ability to incite white people was something that would make him forever a heel in some of those roles they would never white they would never accept him as a baby face and that kind of sucks because now it turns you into a character instead of a character and there were there was a time where, like I enjoyed it. I mean, the the O.J. Simpson promo was a little bit much, but <laughs> it's just the fact that like he was preying on the fears of white people to get over, and it worked. But then sometimes it was like, oh, this is a lot. Like I was like, yo, this is like, are you are you? Are you embracing, like, are you truly embracing this? Or are you doing this just to get over? And I, and I never know where the, because, I mean, they said it in Dark Side of the Ring. There was never really a time where it, was it New Jack or was it Jerome? And for the most part, it was always New Jack. And I, I, I really want to talk to him about it. Like, that's the stuff I really want to talk about. And was Mustafa really smoking pencil shavings? I want to know this. I need to know these things. Like, there's so much there. The mass <laughs> trans- Yo. That stuck out to so many people. Like, Yo, pencil shavings? Pencil shavings, dog. Like, I feel like 
a because it would be a wrestling with stereotypes, and he'd be the only guest because it would be absolutely unnecessary to have anybody else up there but New Jack, and to have a conversation about all of these things because I don't. There's no reason for New Jack to hold back. There's How does none. New Jack feel about Hogan? <laughs> like this is something I need to know. Like he said, so many people when he went into the territories, right? And when he was uh down, what it was he in? I want to say NWA, but that's not right. No, he was in um, Smoky Mountain. Yeah, Smoky Mountain, which is um, which is cr- like dog, which cornet, yes, cornet. Yes. So, so <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. The thing about cornet, right? Cornet was always been a brilliant old school wrestling mind. He like mm-hmm. clear lines between heels and baby faces and all these things. But even he, when when you entertain somebody like Cornette with your blackness, that's scary to me. Because now he he's not he's not scared of you. He's entertained by you. Like he finds this valuable because you're such a heel. I I've always been the type where I don't want white people to like my blackness like that. I don't want you to love it. It's not a lovable quality. Like respect it. But love like them hugging. And there's nothing wrong with them hugging. I'm just saying, like, Cornette is still, like, very racially insensitive in a lot of ways. And I don't know if New Jack ever pulled his coat on any of those things. Or is it one of those situations, like, like a Mike Perry where you give people, like, New Jack gives people a pass if they're cool. I'm curious about these things. Ah, that's, that's a good question. And then it becomes, how do you approach New Jack on that subject? So it's me, you, all these things for New Jack. And you'd be like, yo, so Cornette, you know, he said this, this, and that. You ever pull his card on anything? Nah, man, Cornette's the homie. He do the, so you just let him slide? What, you saying I'm soft? And then shit just goes off the rail. No, like, no, I'm like, yo, interview. don't stab me, New Jack. It's interview <laughs> styles, man. Like, I've, I've interviewed a no, lot just, of people all the time. And, and I, I know, <laughs> it's like, you have to be very careful with your line of questioning with people like this. Because <laughs> the worst thing you could do is come out the gates firing and offend somebody. And then, like, the rest is, like, if you do an hour session... And you come out firing, the last 50 minutes are terrible. So it's like, you have to Like throw DMX up. hanging up on you. Yeah. Well, DMX was just tired of doing interviews that day. And he didn't hang up. He, <laughs> dog, he didn't hang up on me. I was there, and he pulled the phone out the wall because he Whoa. didn't want to do any more interviews. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was just done. Like, there was nothing you could do. There's nothing you can ask him. Some interviews are just going to be terrible. There's nothing you can do about them. But some interviews, like... Journalists don't ask the right questions, and they wonder why they get shitty interviews. Like you can't, like if I was to interview Ronda Rousey there, I'd be like, "So fuck fans, right? You can't do that. It do, that's not how this interview is <laughs> gonna work because she's gonna be yeah. tight. You don't want her tight for the whole interview. You want to warm her up. Then you want her to be open and feel comfortable enough to answer questions. Think about it. if you get interviewed in a job interview, and the first thing they ask you is like, "So you did you had a DUI? You're gonna be defensive like immediately. They usually don't hit you with that stuff until like much later." So it's just knowing how to deal with somebody like New Jack. And obviously it's somebody that you would want to talk to before you get up on the damn in front of stage in front of a bunch of people having these conversations. <laughs> They'd be like, nah, man, we ain't going through this. We're going to go out there. It's a shoot. Right. <laughs> like, oh, shit, it's about to go down. No, nah, that'd be fun, man. Um, so I'm glad you saw it. Yeah, wild moments. Him stabbing a guy in the ring was bananas. He beat the hell out of that old man. But that old man took the ass whooping. Yo, some of the dogs, some of them, some of them brought it on themselves. And I'm not saying you get necessarily deserve to be stabbed, but it's like you, you keep playing with the fire, you're going to get burnt. And some what of you guys. What about old boy who got thrown off the, the scaffolding? That, that's what I'm saying. Like, listen, 
Was New Jack wrong for trying to kill a man? Absolutely. But then that guy, like, dog, like, you play with a damn dog. Like, you, if you play with a lion, the lion goes lying on you. You can't blame the lion. You're dumb for standing there for that shit. And that's what some of these guys did. They, dude was like, let me get my shit on New Jack. New Jack was like, no. And then from there, it was like there was nothing left. From that point, I would have I just no-showed the match. Because I would have known that he was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to no-show. Like, yo, this $200 check ain't worth it. That, don't, it ain't worth it in front of nine people? Like, did you see that 10-year-old boy watching that dude get stabbed? In utter disbelief. They should have found the 10-year-old boy. Like, what is he now? He's 20 years later as a wrestling fan. Yeah, just like, yo, I, can't, I couldn't watch wrestling since. Saw New Jack stabbing, man. So, I don't... But best idea came out of our group chat. Forgot who said it. New Jack, WrestleMania weekend, does our panel, does GCW after. Nick Gage, New Jack main event. Oh my God. Yo, listen. <laughs> I like the masochistic, sadistic side of me would love to see that. But I can totally understand if somebody was like, I don't want to see that shit. It's too much. Because I was watching some of my New Jack stuff and I was like, man. I was a real bloodthirsty motherfucker. Like, I was watching that, and I was like, yo, I like this? What is wrong with me? Like, <laughs> some of the stuff that they were hitting each other with, I'm like, why do you do that? Like, even watching, like, Beyond the Mat now, watching those chair shots, and I was like, yo, I used to like this. Like, they would kill each other. But I'd be there for it. That's oh, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we would person. watch that. That's not a GCW show we would miss. No. Um, all right. Let's go real quick. Pay the bills. Come back. We'll dive into WWE. NXT and AEW to wrap up the show. You guys stay right there. All right, everyone, we'll get back to the show in a second. But just to let you know, with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, everybody, just that quick, we are back. Time to dive into the WWE. And the first thing we have to talk about, and really there's nothing else to lead off with, is they're coming back for live shows. So they taped two weeks. They gave the roster about you know a week and a half, maybe, off to go home, quarantine, be with families. And now Vince said, fuck it. He doesn't need you know Fight Island like Dana White does. They're going right down to the PC. And they're going to make weekly television happen. And I don't know how. And they already have one positive test in yeah. their company. An employee. They didn't state what type of employee tested positive for coronavirus. Said they're doing better now. But there's no breaking this curve then. Right? Like, I understand people come back and you hope, you pray. One, that... I don't even know if there's enough testing to see who the fuck has it. So who knows? It may never come out. But you pray someone doesn't get super, super sick to end up in the hospital, actually get a test, and blow this whole shit. Because then you're done for months. 
with nothing in the can because you're counting on weekly television. Yeah, this this move, I mean, they've they blamed it on the TV contracts, which would lead me to ask, you know, the, the networks, like, are you serious? Are you going to force yeah. them to do live shows? But business is business, and some corporations just don't give a fuck. And if that's the case, that really sucks. But still, fuck these shows. Um, there's no reason to do live shows. It's just not. Like, record, there's no live crowd. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Record them, go home. Like, I don't even like them recording. I've said this already. You got thousands and thousands of hours on the network. Look, man, if ESPN is going to show horse and like virtual stuff, you can do the same thing. Like, I don't, I, we don't need this. Like, we don't need, and, and for the most part, Raw and SmackDown end up with like an hour worth of video packages anyway. So it's yep. like, why do I, I don't, I don't really want a live show because, yeah, it does heighten the possibility of somebody catching this thing. Like, you can't flatten the curve by doing this and no. I don't know man like I don't want to see Roman like every time Roman like when Di- Daniel Roman Bryan ain't does, coming back dog. he ain't coming back and we'll I, talk about like their storyline here in a second he can't come back until at least next fall because you can't risk it at all you, well, you can't do it he'll be back before the fall I think I think he'll be back before the end of the year um, but the point is, is like, like Daniel Bryan taking a suicide dive and I cringe, like the idea of Rowan wrestling amidst this stuff makes me cringe. So yeah. I just, I just don't, I don't understand it because more than anything else, it just hasn't been good television. Like forget the live aspect of it, it hasn't been good. I, there, none of the, it's not, this is not even just like a WWE thing. Like AEW has been fine, whatever. Even though this last episode was cool, but I'm not that entertained to the point where I need live shows that's going to make it better. Because, like, these tape shows, they can do some post-production and fix some things. Like, I noticed there was a few spots on Raw this past week that you can clearly tell that when in post-production done something with. You can't fix it with live. And why do you need live? Live in front of who? Who cares? Who cares? You're just keeping a bunch of people in the building at once. If you taped, you could bring in, you know, just script your storylines, right? So you could bring in Knock, Daniel Bryan, all those guys at the same time, tape their two months worth of matches all together at the same time, boom, you guys are out. Clean everything two hours later, bring in the next storyline and film two weeks or two months at a time and be done with it like NXT did. And everyone's not sitting in the building together, huddled up, waiting to go through a curtain. I don't care how big the building is. If you have 10 feet between each person it's still ridiculous i don't get it i like i said i don't get it it's, it's not the smart thing to do um and all it's done like all it has done is break storylines like shooting live it's just break like just shooting period is breaking storylines because obviously wrestlemania went the way it went because they continue to try to do it through this pandemic and miz got sick and clearly he came back i guess maybe it was just flu we don't even know maybe he tested we don't know because they're not telling us and i know they have hipaa violations so you can't really tell like all the medical history of all the wrestlers or give out names like that you you can't do it but ultimately it's like i'm just not that entertained to the point where i'm fiending for raw and smackdown i love pro wrestling but i don't i don't need it like that like you could you could spend the next two and a half months playing all the ECW pay-per-views in Raw and SmackDown's uh, TV spots, and I'd be fine. Yeah. 
Like, I, I'm serious. I, I would be absolutely fine. Like, if you just showed ECW pay-per-views, or if you did, like, an, NX, like an NXT spot, you did a takeover marathon of all the takeovers, I'd be fine. I could watch that shit. I know the ratings wouldn't be through the roof, but at least people wouldn't die. Yeah, no. Nah, listen, the ratings probably gonna be shit anyway. I mean, they've been going like down. now. It's not like they're they're going big. going live. Yeah, it's I don't know. Odd decision, to say the least. Um, we had a taped SmackDown and Raw this past week, um, gearing up for a Raw again. So we'll kind of recap that at the end of this week. But last week's Raw and SmackDown. Had a couple of storylines, but it didn't feel like anything new. So I get it. You could you can feel that that was taped. But now they had two weeks to sit at home and write. You could have wrote some new shit. Um, let's see. Last week's Raw thing that stood out to me, there was a lot of black people. Yeah, this felt like Black History Month Raw. And for that... <laughs> ton, I, ton of black people. Yeah, I was like, uh, oh, cool. They, like the, Okay, I got to say it. The Apollo Crews-Alister black match, like, dude... Alistair Black and Bobby Lashley was whack. The Apollo Crews match was pretty good. And it lead me like, I thought it was really good, right? I'm not and, bugging. And a lot of people were like, because I tweeted, push Apollo Crews. They was like, he has no personality. Look, the reason he doesn't have a personality is they don't know what to do with him. There are a lot of wrestlers who, who have personality that you have to figure out what it is they're good at. I, like, I'm not saying that I need Apollo Crews to necessarily turn heel, but I kind of need him to turn heel. Because he needs an edge. Being the smiling, buff black guy ain't going to work. It's just not. No. He needs an edge. Nah, I'm Matt Johnson. Yeah, like he he needs an edge. Like he clearly needs a character change. Like there are certain wrestlers who just aren't working but are phenomenal workers. And watching him in black work, I remembered. I was like, yo, Uha Nation used to get busy. And yep. they, they're ruining him on Raw and SmackDown. So, yeah, give this man an opportunity. Let him Shout know. out to him, though. Three three commercial breaks in that shit. Yep. It's a four-segment match. They got time. You know what I'm saying? They ain't got nothing but time. <laughs> so they got him to work. I mean, dog. They, like, them, you had uh, Street Profits. I mean, okay. Let's just talk about it. Bianca that Miller. was kind of... That, yeah, that was kind of crazy because they started three different matches. Yeah. I mean, again... This is what I'm saying. You're breaking story. Like, all these things are happening kind of because of the pandemic. I feel like Bianca was probably going to get called up anyway. I don't feel like Austin Theory was. And I don't know what they're doing with him here because he needs to go back to NXT. He's a star. No, I feel like he'll go back. Yeah, he's, he's 21. He's yeah. going to head back. It's, he's a placeholder. I mean, honestly, honestly, Garza needs to go back too because he's really good. And I feel like they're going to put really a ceiling, they're gonna put a ceiling on him on Raw. I like, don't know if they just do the Mexican stable. Like, fuck I, it. They ain't going to pull the like, check have, on it. Like, well, maybe they will. You, you have the U.S. champion, and Andrade's going to come back, it looks like, for these tapings. Uh, or live shows now. Um, but Andrade, Garza's already in the stable. Have them talk Carrillo into being in the stable. And Garza and Carrillo is one hell of a tag team. To go with them and the mouthpiece and Zelina Vega, it's It's easy. It's so easy to do. Yeah, I still kind of. It makes almost too much sense. I mean, we'll talk about NXT in a minute and the reason why I'm saying this, but they would be great if they really paid attention to the mid card, and I hope they do. I just feel like some of these guys are placeholders until things get back going again. So, like Street Profits, 
like Bianca being there, it's like, yeah, I'm happy for Bianca. But then I'm just like, man, are they going to do right by her? And I think that's always been the thing. Like I said, the past couple of shows, NXT to call ups just having got talent who has done well in NXT doesn't do well on the main roster. And I no. will never understand this. I don't Thankfully, she has a little more personality than like an Ember Moon. So she yeah. would like, you can slide her into a bigger slot. Um, this seems like the, oh shit, Charlotte won. She actually has to defend some stuff on NXT for a while. Who can replace Charlotte for a month? But when Charlotte comes back, then, you know, Lord help you. You might be a valet to the Street Profits. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which would be horrible. She's too good. But Raw needs it. I, I tell you that. Becky ran through everyone. So fresh matchups aren't bad for, for Raw. Um, there, there's definitely a need there and to build up secondary feuds underneath the main women's title is huge. That, that is key. Yeah. The fact but, that there aren't any like real no. feuds going on except for whoever's fighting for the title. Like everybody else is just doing musical chairs. It doesn't Yeah. Help. And you're just throwing people against Becky. No one's going to deserve to beat Becky. If you just keep throwing random people in there, except for a horsewoman, which we talked about last show. That's the only way you could justify it, right? Because their history of beating someone and you can just throw them into the mix. You're not building anyone underneath them. I, I don't like... Uh, what is her name? I, I forgot. The the MAGA chick on SmackDown. She's not really MAGA, but that's the, the gimmick. Lacey Evans. Oh. So, Lacey Evans, it, it she doesn't do it for me, but they at least built her feud under the title picture, and then she went into the title picture. Yeah. It, like I said, make it feel like it's earned. When you feel like somebody's earned that title opportunity, that's yeah. when you cheer for them. Or cheer or boo, yeah. whatever it is. Just make it feel like it's earned. They're, like, she earned it. It's just not the person we wanted to earn it. Yeah. If like, that makes sense. They, they gave her that opportunity, but it still felt like, Why? Yeah, like like AEW, the ranking system, like people will be like, ah, oh, it's not good. But it at least feels like something is being earned there, where somebody's working their way towards something, instead of just getting a title opportunity because you don't like somebody. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah, yeah they gotta work. They gotta work with those uh those people underneath. Um, what the hell was the main event on Raw? Oh yes, that was the main event of Raw. Playing what happened after WrestleMania, I dude, this was outright baffling to me. Drew McIntyre beats Brock Lesnar, goes to the back, gets the plates changed <laughs> on his title, comes out to an audience of zero, and cuts a promo for Big Show for reasons we have no idea was hanging out there to come out. And did I say this? Did I say always your first title defenses against a goddamn Big Show? It always happens. But, I mean, the man also has a Netflix show, so you got to push the Netflix Yeah, show. I'm just saying, like, it was just so weird to frame it as something that happened after WrestleMania when they could have just recorded it and shot it for Raw and made it seem like it was for Raw. It's so, yeah. It didn't make any sense for Drew Mack to beat Brock Lesnar, leave, say, hey, guys, can you change the place on my titles? Cool. I'm going to go back out here and cut this promo. Why? And then Big Show coming out because that for me now if I'm any like if there was any realistic element to this if I'm any talent in the back I was like dog I'm just waiting for whoever wins the title I'm gonna go out and challenge them the same night at WrestleMania 
Because this Easy. is baffling. And then he no, just goes no, out there. And no cash in needed. <laughs> and then the match goes longer than the one with Lester. Like, this this was baffling. This should have been a Raw main event taped for Raw because this is the PC, the PC. Like, nobody knows the difference. Nobody cares. No. Just, just change just, the screen. Yeah, just change, change the screen. Change the damn screen. And the apron, <laughs> and you're good to go. And you could have made this a Raw segment. That was outright ridiculous. I don't know what's going on with WWE right now, but that was stupid. Scrambling. Again, when you don't have a good infrastructure of writing or it's been messed up for so long, this would only heighten those... In, I, I don't know, those those missteps that you've made. Like, it's going to shine a light on everything, good and bad. So the people who can cut promos unscripted and they're really talented and they can work, their star is going to shine brighter. But the shit that's really messed up in the company, that's also going to be heightened. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. They're just throwing a bunch of shit at the wall. It's like, they're not in a time when you can do this. Like, you, they don't... They tried to plan ahead for two weeks, right? Two and a half weeks going into Mania and the shows after Mania. Those two and a half weeks, they looked at it and said, we don't know how to do this. We physically can't do this anymore. It doesn't work for us. We don't know how to script stuff three months in advance. We don't know how to do that. We rather risk people's health and go weekly because we can't tape a show that is so compelling that people... Like, even if one week's episode leaked on dirt sheets, people still want to tune in. They're like, no, we can't make something that just entertaining anymore. It has to be live because that's the only way we can get people to tune in is by surprise. Which leads us to SmackDown. Oh, SmackDown. Uh, I don't even know what happened in the beginning of SmackDown. I'm not going to cut a promo and Nakamura came out. Oh, we get Braun versus Nock this week? Well, that's what happened on SmackDown. Braun came out and knocked and some other stuff. And let's see. They're going to do a three-way match with all the tag people who didn't participate in the tag title match. And they're going to do that match on this Friday. Um, Yeah. SmackDown was stupid. Um, SmackDown wasn't great. And I don't listen with volume. So, thankfully, I didn't catch that part. Um, I did listen to the last 10 minutes with volume, though. Oh, my God. Listen, I, I will say this, and because I'm, I'm not of the opinion you are. Like, we, we differ in this, and we will always differ in this. Bray Wyatt is amazing. As great as people think Matt Hardy is, and he is great with character development and everything else, Bray Wyatt is on that level or higher. And I love Broken Matt. But Bray Wyatt is that level of character-driven talent in pro wrestling. Few people can't name probably three that are better than him in terms of character. You can't. The guy's promos are money. Firehouse Fly, Firefly Funhouse is still money. This guy is great. Proved it with Cena. Great. Putting him back in the title picture is not on him. But it's going to reflect poorly on him. And another, another time I said I feel bad for him. Because he's going to make... You know, a shit sandwich out of shit. But at least it's a sandwich. Like, so he's going to make this the best he can possibly do. It's just a dumb decision. Okay. First of all, there's we don't disagree on Wyatt being a phenomenal character. I think he, his character development has always been amazing. Every iteration of Bray Wyatt as a character has been great. The wrestling is what has been lacking. And now... 
with this feud with Braun, there's history there that Bray can tap into, which is makes it great. Mm-hmm. But for the title, it's, it's this is stupid because you sign like Bray. Bray's gonna win, by the way. Well, duh. But here's the thing. If anybody saw there was a Goldberg interview where Goldberg said he didn't know until like the 23rd hour if he was wrestling Roman or Braun. And they tried to figure out a way to have to still do Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. But Goldberg, this is where he fuck up. He was only signed through WrestleMania. Once that obligation was up, he's not coming back. It's over. And you put your title on somebody who is leaving the company. Meanwhile, you sacrifice a guy who is developing a character that you already messed up one time by putting the title on him too soon. And now you sacrificed him to a guy on his way out. Right? The Fiend yep. lost to a hip toss. I'm going to continue to call it that. I don't care. He lost to a hip toss in Saudi Arabia. And now, because you are flat out out of options, because going back to what you said earlier, Kel, you, didn't, you haven't built a mid-card of, of guys who can realistically challenge for that title. You have nobody. That's nope. your fault. Because you could have, if you played your cards right, could have went to Daniel Bryan. You could have played your card right, gone to Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura, anybody. Instead, anyway. you're going back to the guy who got beat by a 50-something-year-old man in Saudi Arabia who's done with his contract, doesn't care. Because why should he? You paid him a whole lot of money to do this because you're supposed to lose the Roman Reigns. And now you're having him in a match with Braun Strowman who just got the title, who's just keeping it warm. The veil of invincibility has been shattered to somebody who didn't deserve it. And now you're going to have this, this going to be a dreadful match with Braun Strowman. Dreadful. No, it'll be cinematic again. It, it, dude, we're going to talk about cinematic in a second. doesn't always work. And you can't continue no, to burn. you can't go to the well every week. Yeah, and that's the pro- Like, this match has to be that way if that's what they're going to do. But who cares? Because the feud doesn't, I don't want to see this in that type of a match. This is bad booking. And you know, people are like, well, it's going to get find its way back to Roman Reigns. Well, therein lies your problem. Because we know it has to find. But this, you could have done this from the beginning. It could yep. have always been Roman and the Fiend in the beginning. The ending was predictable, but the ending was predictable anyway because you refused to slow roll Roman Reigns. You yep. try, you but always, then the Fiend could have said Roman was... You could have played it into the storyline. And you could have said the, Roman was scared of the Fiend. He doesn't want to show up to WrestleMania. I'll take all challengers. Braun challenge him. He beats Braun in Mania, and you roll. What, dude? Whatever. Just saying. Like this is bad because nobody thinks Braun's gonna win. And if he does, like you can't continue to hurt the Fiend's character anymore. No. If he wins, he gotta beat Bray Wyatt. He can't beat the Fiend. They're, they're like there's only dog. only so many people could beat the Fiend. Like we, even if we just extend disbelief and say old ass man Goldberg can legit beat the Fiend. All right. Braun Strowman cannot. He just lost the IC title to Sami Zayn. No disrespect to Sami Zayn. But the the Fiend is supposed to be a different caliber of character. And the Fiend just has to terrorize people until Roman Reigns is comfortable enough to step back in the building. But see, again, I don't understand. Why are we hot-shotting the Fiend right back in the title picture with no clear idea when Roman's coming back? Instead... No sense. You could you could have reset this whole thing and had had the fiends just kind of slow play the feuds underneath because he's an attraction. He's not a champion. He's an attraction, and you can use mm-hmm. him in matches with other people to to like to elevate him. Like people just want to see the fiend. They don't even really care who he's against. 
They like the character. No. Nobody's here for the match, okay? Nobody. Everybody's here for the promos, the fun house, and everything else. So you could have done anything. But now if you put him right back in the title picture and you put, put him as champion again, what's he hunting? And if you don't know when Roman Reigns is going to come back, who's going to feud with him? And then who cares? Nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, because he's not. No, and then Roman has to go over on The Fiend, which he should have just done from the first place. And you try to protect Roman by having him not beat The Fiend and people turning on him. Well, he's going to have to do it anyway. Uh, it's all stupid. So SmackDown was dumb, right? Let's close the show out. Well, I want to talk about AEW before we talk about NXT because I got a lot of things to say about NXT. Don't have a lot to say about <laughs> AEW. AEW okay. was what? It was fine. Jericho was great on commentary. Yep. Um, the show was fine. I mean, Britt Baker had her nosebleed. She had a Becky like, Lynch moment. Super moment, which is dope. And she's done a lot better, and that match was actually good. Well, here's what I want to say. I'm calling this a Becky Lynch moment for a very specific reason. Not just because of the blood, because that is important, and that's what you immediately think of. But here's why I call it a Becky Lynch moment. Because the Becky Lynch moment elevated an average wrestler into a star. And then we forgot she was an average wrestler. <laughs> True. And Britt Baker, that blood, like everybody's like, oh, Britt Baker's bleeding. But then you forgot she's still a very average talent in the ring. And then hopefully maybe she steps her game up a little bit. Becky did early. She needs the right dance partners. But be careful because nobody liked Britt Baker before. And it's like, you got to get, she still has to wrestle. And she had a good match this week. It was a good match. Yeah, but, you gotta figure out a way to keep her healed throughout. Yeah, I mean, if she gets a, a smell of a babyface vibe, it is over because that was a horrible character for her. Absolutely dreadful. Nobody likes the dentist. Nope. Keep her heel. Yeah, all the way. Oh. Except now you have a heel champ, so you got to figure that out. I I, I liked Matt Hardy's promo was good. Um, was a little weird with the Mexican and Puerto Rican references, but whatever. He's broken. Um, Cody and Sean Spears, eh, um, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, that's what we're going to close Cody this thing Cody might win the belt? Like, That'd be, I'll say it again. They do that terrible decision. Cody does not need that title. He doesn't nah. need any title. It, or it should go, I mean, the finals probably got to be him and, uh, what's his face who Jake the Snake manages. Who, Lance? Lance. Yeah, I mean, see, I'm, I'm fine with Lance Archer winning it. Dude, I really would like to see Darby Allen carry a title around. Just the idea of him skateboarding with a title and being oh, this little dragging guy. dragging it on the ground. Well, more importantly, because Perfect. like Lance Archer's fine because you can really elevate the title by having whoever goes over on Lance Archer to get that title has to go through hell to get there. Darby, on the other hand, could be a fighting champion who, like, he's small and nobody believes in him. And he always has to prove himself. The other guy who should hold that champ, that title is Sammy Guevara. Sammy's the guy. Like, Sammy's the guy. Like, let's be honest. I didn't think oh, yeah. he was the guy for a while. Like, when I used to watch him PWG, I was like, ah, he's like very vanilla, but he's got an excellent skill set. Now, the character development's there. I love to see him as the fighting heel champion. Like, still does, like, dastardly shit to win and cheats and pulls tights, but fights everybody. Because I need him to be a champion. I need him to start going over on people. And being a champion would allow him to do that. And also elevate him as a heel. He still has the inner circle behind him. If Jericho goes on tour, which is obviously not the case now because who the fuck is touring. But if Jericho goes on one of his Jericho vacations, um, Guevara can definitely hold down with the inner circle now. He's he's become that second guy. Yeah. Which is crazy when you have a stable LAX and Jack Swagger and all that shit. But he's second guy. 
Um, talking about Jake Hager, they a lot of people like this promo build between him and Moxley and tying in like UFC or MMA elements and all this stuff. It still doesn't do shit for me or his character. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this feud is fine for television. If it was a pay-per-view, I'd be like, ugh. It's fine for television because, you know, Moxley needs something to do. Hager needs something to do. The extended, like, vignettes with him working out and the MMA stuff, it's cool. The first one was like, all right, this is cool. Then it was like the third one. I was like, all right, I've had enough because I don't give a shit about the match. No matter what happens, we know Moxley's going over. Oh, yeah. Hager's just like, whatever. So, like. That's the next thing, though. Like, who are they building to challenge Moxley? Well, that's. I don't know. I mean, for me. Pac is probably the next guy. See, I I would say yes. So, but Pac doesn't need to lose a lot of matches. Like, Mm -hmm. Death Triangle needs a nice little run of just beating the crap out of people. That's true. So, Hager, like. That's why I understand the Hager feud. It's fine because it's a good placeholder until you figure out who's next. And it's clearly it's not going to be Jericho. Um, and you got you got to find somebody else. And Can MJF lose already? You think? No, I think MJF no. could do it. I, I wouldn't want MJF in that. It elevate him though as a a mic back and forth, like you know, cutting live promos, all this stuff against Ambrose. They would make good work. I think the problem, the only issue, and he got the muscle. Well, the only issue that I have with it, like an MJF Moxley feud with Wardlow being involved somehow. One, I think you should need to build Wardlow a lot more. And <laughs> he has had, he's had one match. Yeah, which he lost. I, I think I mean I think he needs to be built into a monster. Um, yep. But MJF Moxley feels like it needs to be in front of a live audience because those promos cut a lot deeper when they're doing it live with people there. So that's fair. Yeah. And I think like MJF is another guy who would think will eventually get his hands on the title. Um, yeah, I don't know. AEW, I'm not going to say they're necessarily in a strange spot because they got guys like Kenny Omega, and we haven't seen Hangman Page in a few weeks, um, that could all be in the title picture. But it's good that they have the secondary title that they're working on. I just, I don't know. Moxley's like, I don't know. I don't know who's there. They're in a weird spot because they don't want to push themselves still. Yeah. Which is if, like it's fine for to a degree. Yeah, but you, yeah, I guess you're not at the one year mark. But I mean, sooner or later, you might just have to say, "Well, there's no natural person up. Let's just have great, memorable, you know, wrestling matches and, and say, okay, it's time to unleash Kenny Omega." <laughs> like, right? What? You're gonna just shelf the greatest wrestler for a year and a half because you don't want to seem or appear that you're pushing an owner of the company or a president or whatever the hell he is. Yeah, I think I mean I think that's the plan. Was like we got to make sure we hold Kenny back because like Kenny's kind of the pinnacle. And I think the smart thing to do here's here's the real smart thing to do in my opinion. Kenny needs to work his way to the title, right? Yep. And. But not too much because if he if he gets the title, he needs people to defend against. So guys like Pentagon Jun- like Pentagon and Ray Phoenix are guys that Kenny Omega should be feuding with. Because if the inevitable happens and they break up the tag team of Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, and those two feud, they got to go somewhere with both of them. Hangman Page and Moxley would actually be a really good feud. A really good feud. A pay-per-view type feud. 
It's just not in ring, but yeah, on promos and stuff. Well, I don't know. They might beat the shit out of you. Yeah, they might beat. I don't know. I don't know. Shit. But but I'm here for it. Like Kenny Omega needs might be good. I mean, if again, if the inevitable happens and those two break up, I wouldn't necessarily be mad if Adam Page beats Kenny Omega by crook and finds himself into the title picture, and then Kenny Omega is just like. Wrestling guys like to work his way to the top. Yeah, what's next? I, yeah. I just I don't I don't we because we all know it's eventually going to happen, but we got to get there. So the slow play is f- fine, and they keep signing guys as well. So I think they're doing this okay. We're in a nice little we're we're in a holding pattern right now with AEW, and it's it's okay. There's no like big pay per view. It's like not the best television. So like this week's episode, it was cool. It was fine. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It was pretty good. They, they haven't had a bad episode in a long time. No. So it's what I expected. Like, cool. I expect another good one this week. NXT. Mm. Uh, two things that stand out to me is the women's ladder match, and then we'll get to Gargano Ciampa. But the ladder match was top of the card. I thought it was a good match, and I thought the right person won. Yeah, no, it was good. The, the women's ladder match was good. I was like, oh, this is really good. Um, They all worked. They all worked. And... uh. Like the, then, then it then uh, it began to dawn on me. I was like, "Oh, they're sacrificing Yoshirai to Charlotte." That's that was my me. I was like, "Oh fuck," but fine, whatever. That's what we all pretty are pretty sure is going to happen. But the ladder match was good. Those women worked. It was nice spots. Even Chelsea Green, you know, they established um <laughs> keep wanting to call him DJZ, um <laughs> but they they established him as a a good like a good heinous heel type like I liked what they did I I, I like the stories that they played with a lot of them Tegan Knox she's interesting to me because I can't figure her out because not in a bad way it's like how good is she I can't figure that part about her out. I don't know. I just know she has the shiniest wizard. Yeah, she has the shiniest wizard. <laughs> that's, that's the that, so I, th- I thought the ladder match was good. Like Eo winning, you're right. It was the right move. I, I like to see. I like to see her win that match. That was cool. And I have no doubt that she's going to put on one hell of a match against Charlotte. I just don't know how many times she can do that and then come up short. Well, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. How? How many times are you going to let her just be oh so close? Well, let's just call it what it is. Charlotte ain't losing that title to nobody but Rhea Ripley. That's pretty much. That's it. And <laughs> Rhea Ripley or Horsewoman. Yeah, that, like that's the only <laughs> two ways this is going to happen. What this does for Io Shirai is what I'm concerned with because you're you're absolutely right. She couldn't beat Shayna Baszler, and now she's going to lose to Charlotte. It would be a hell of a match, but at a certain point, hell of a matches don't get you over. You need to win. And, I mean, it's hard for anybody to deny that she's, like, not top three women, period, in pro wrestling. Top five, maybe. Some people will argue. Because then you throw, like, Tessa Blanchard and a few others in there. But she's in that conversation as the best woman on the planet right now, walking. She's that good. So how long can you just keep her out? Because, as we've seen, Kyrie Sane is now a penalty machine. That's, that's just what she does now. As, oh, good, yeah. as good as she was, they've just said, nope, one Asian at a time. And it's Oscar. <laughs> and Oscar is like, well, you can't lose because you're fun. So we're going to just let her eat the pen. If EO, EO just can't be the same because she built different, man. She's good. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, 
it's tough. It's it's a weird spot. But as they go on, they have a good feud that they can build, and that's going to lead to a really good match. So at least we know we're getting that. Um, in the middle, what we had another match by the Indian Authors of Pain. The Authors of Punjabi Pain. This, this, is, this is not a good gimmick, man. Give him a chance. No, I'm not. Give him a it's, chance. It's over. What other gimmick are you going to give those two big guys? I don't know, but it's dead on arrival. Because, dude, they are the Ascension and the Authors of Pain with a little War Machine paint with a manager. That's it. There's nothing that's there. That's fair. There's, but there's nothing there. That's like there. 30 years of wrestling behind those same characters. No, but, yes, but this is generic. We have the Islanders or something Dog, back in the this day. Is, this is the Samoan SWAT team. Like, this isn't it. This ain't it. And Malcolm Bevis is, is too good of a mouthpiece, and he'll try to get this over. But, dude. He's hilarious, yo. Do you see his face after the win? Yeah, dude, he's great. He is great. The, the fact that it's almost criminal how long they waited to get him on TV. But this tag team ain't it. And most importantly, you looked at this match. They, they were working too hard in this match to get some scrubs. This was they a, really were. This was been They're a trying to get match. a little too much off. Yes. Yeah. Like, you got to stop, man. It's like, I, you know. As great as Malcolm is, he's like, this ain't going to work, dog. This ain't it. There's nothing about this tag team that I look at and I was like, man, those are some champions. They just look dry as hell. And I, I, I'm not even saying it's their fault. They've been given a hybrid gimmick of the last three dominant tag teams. War Machine, War Raid, Viking Raiders, whatever the fuck. Authors of Pain. But what else could they do? Dude, just You either put them in full suits. No, just, you don't bro, put them in full just, suits. WWE. You just put them in ring gear. Like, you don't have to make them look like they're from another country like that. Like, like create a wrestler? Like that was, that's why Rocky Maivia was so corny. Like, you preyed upon his heritage more than the, the talent. Some of these guys, True. like, you look at Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa, right? Gorillas of Destiny. They looked yep. apart without having to look like they're Samoan. They just look oh, the yeah. part. They just look badasses. Yeah, yeah, like these guys could just look like badasses. The suits are like the Usos now. For for a while, the Usos had to be hyper Samoan. That's what I'm saying. But, you but look then at, they were just like, "Fuck it." The Usos are who they are. Like if it, like I keep yep. saying this, if you listen to the New Day podcast, the New Day and the Usos podcast, you'd be like, "Who are the black people on this podcast?" Because <laughs> yeah, no, the Usos. Like the Usos, you'd be like, "Yo, like oh my god!" Yeah. So now the character makes even more sense. But this tag yeah. team, they have no character. They're a hybrid of a bunch of other tag teams. So I, I'm not buying it, man. I'm not buying it. I think they're going to let them sink or swim. And well. at this point, we we thought this would be the problem from jump. Once you go to television, how do you now experiment with these things? Yeah. Because you're right in a regard that they're not polished for television. You come on television, you got to wow me. Because if you don't wow me, you're asked out and it's done. NXT was the beauty of it before it was on network. It was taped. It was developmental. You can do these things. You can have edits. You can figure it out. You can scrap their whole segment. Figure it out. Go back to the drawing ball. Come back three weeks later. No one ever know. Right? Like, they don't have that luxury anymore. No. So now it gets a little, little tough. Yeah. So I. Okay. I don't know. Before don't we know talk about what they do with that. Before we talk about Ciampa and Gargano, I have to get this off. NXT is in a really bad spot right now because of some of the things that I just mentioned. And it's not their fault. It's being on TV's fault and Vince, maybe Vince McMahon's fault because you're bleeding, like you're calling up people. Like the Forgotten Sons were on SmackDown. Why? But 
you have a, like a lot of these storylines have hit a dead end, and a lot of the talent is getting pushed right. So now you have like a lot of like NXT hasn't had good television in weeks. It hasn't been good, and bringing in Charlotte doesn't help the women. It just doesn't. It stifles the women because it's obvious you got to go to Charlotte and Rhea. You have to go back to that, and Rhea's probably going to beat Charlotte, and Charlotte's going to beat some people along the way. But you're not like elevating other women in the process. We'll talk about Candice Lorraine in a second. As far as the men are concerned, like I'm, this one I'll blame on the pandemic because I don't know what the plans were for Takeover. Because have they even talked about the Cole and Dream match? No, they just scrapped it. Like it, it hasn't even been discussed. We haven't seen Undisputed Era. Like we've seen Cole like cut a promo. I don't know what's going on here. Then you have like somebody like Keith Lee, a guy who's a phenomenal talent. But now it's like you, you kept them in like the rinse cycle with the same guys. Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne are your tag team champions. It's already worn me out. The reason being is because Matt Riddle is such a good solo wrestler. So is Pete Dunne. You can separate them. I don't even know if you need to like they can lose the tag team titles and not even turn heel on each other. Even though Pete Dunne's a much better heel. But... You have talent that I feel like is in a holding pattern. Cameron Grimes, Kushida. Like, Jordan Devlin, he's, obviously he can't travel, so you're doing this Cruiserweight tournament. That's why I felt like Angel Garza would be such a good addition right now. And Austin Theory, because Austin Theory... Oh, yeah. They would have took that tournament up a whole nother night. Not even a tournament. I'm saying in general. Austin Theory is a guy who I feel comfortable with watching him grow through NXT because he's so young and eventually putting that title on him. But let him grow through the company. Now it feels like there's a lot of hot shot shit happening. It's like they just move people really like Rhea Ripley. Oh, boom. You get a feud with Charlotte. Bianca Belair, even though she's been there for a while. But remember, she was kind of green about a year ago. But as soon as she got her legs under her and lost a couple of title opportunities, now she's on the main roster. I don't need talent moving around like this. Build them. Like Keith Lee needs a real feud. He's that good. But he can't keep feuding with Dijakovic. It just can't happen. Like, Keith Lee needs to be feuding with Adam Cole or Matt Riddle or who, like, some Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne and Keith Lee killing each other? Okay. One-on-one? I'm cool with that. I just feel like NXT has not been good television because partially because of the pandemic. And I feel like there's, there, um, there, there's, a, like, red flags because of the ratings, and that's why Charlotte is moving over. And yeah. I don't I don't need but that. I shit. hate that ratings. Yeah, no, who cares? It's just added stuff. It's something you didn't have before. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's I just had to say that. Yeah, like you you're right. And putting on good television just it'll work itself out. Cause Charlotte wasn't on this last episode and for the first time in like three months they beat AEW. So the ratings are just the ratings. Who knows? Who knows why, when, how? Like, the go-home show did 150000 less than the show after Mania, and there was no takeover. Right. So I, I don't get it. Like, that many people want to see Ciampa and Gargano? So there's um yeah no rhyme or reason, it seems like. Just the best thing they could do is say any ratings are better than no ratings. Throw it out of your mind, especially during this pandemic. Yeah. Booking for ratings during a pandemic makes no damn sense. None. And this this is your best opportunity to develop talent. Cameron Grimes should be getting all the opportunity in the world right now to develop. Kushida should be a lot more visible. Like, 
Develop the talent. Develop the undercard because, dude, there is no payoff. There is nothing that's going to really pop a rating. It's just not. Yeah, no, there, there isn't. Um, I, I don't know. I guess we got to dive into this main event, right? Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm looking at this and trying to figure out where to start. That's like what tripped me up. Like, fuck, where do we start? It was too goddamn long. That's where we start. Okay, they had a lot of television. Phil, <laughs> yes, it was. It was too long, um, and it felt like the Edge match. Yes, like this is crazy to me. There's so many. Like, okay, you didn't give Edge and Orton this cinematic treatment, and their match was boring as shit. You gave it to this match, and this match was boring as shit. And both of these were like blood feuds. This one more so than Ed, even though Edge and Orton was built very well. Like this has been a few this been going on for three years, and then we just got this really really long match, which really got was hurt because there was no crowd to be hot about this match. It was just oh I don't dog this match it wasn't good, and. I said this last week. Johnny Gargano's not a good heel. Not because he can't be a good heel, but in this feud, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I'm watching this, and I'm just like, ah, okay, you're the heel. Why? You know? And then, like, the whole end was, I thought it was bad. Like, Candice Array. Like, this was, this was bad. For a feud that was so good for so long, and obviously it burnt out way too long, this was a bad way to end it. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. It it doesn't feel like the end. So when I listen to you try to like tie a bow around it, it doesn't feel like the end. It feels like they just extended it again. <laughs> well, Triple H said, "Hey, it's over. That's it. You guys, I've had enough." He came in. He sat in the little corner. I was like, "All right, guys. After this, it's a wrap." And then you do this kind of a screwy finish, and it's like, really. Gargano go like yeah, this was this was whack. It was it was not oh. good. And then we just have the little uh cameo at the end of, of Killer. Killer Cross. Yeah. Might be Kevin Cross again. Um that was dope. Little Easter egg in there, but I I I don't know where they go now. So now Candace is a heel? Well see, here's the next She never got that good baby face run. That's part one of what you're about to say. Part two is so if Killer Cross and Scarlet are going after Gargano and Larray, who's the heel? Killer Cross is is not even capable of being a face. So, I also said that a bit about uh, Pete Dunne, and I've been proven wrong. Well, but let's let's be honest. Killer here. Cross should not be a baby face. Killer Cross coming in as a heel is what's going to establish him. The same way that Pete Dunne establishes himself as being a heel. And so when you turn babyface, you already got the character of the bruiserweight development. Now it's just a babyface because you still love him because he's a badass. Cross can't come in as a babyface. But if you're hunting down Gargano and, and Candice, who just did some heel shit against Ciampa, who's the heel? It would have made so much more sense, in my opinion, if, like, when that the, the nut shot happened, I would have been totally fine with Candice splitting with Johnny because this feud has been too much and it brings them back together. And that's how you end it. I'd have been totally fine with that. A lot of people have been like, no, I need definitive ending. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. They've done this too much. And like when Ciampa realized what had happened, he felt bad. I was like, oh, they can end this shit now. 
But no, it's like we're going to go full board with this Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae heel turn. And to me, the payoff wasn't worth it. Them being friends again would have been worth it. And then they could have moved on to other things and other feuds and maybe crossed paths years down the line like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens did out when they left ROH. I this ending wasn't it, and if Killer Cross and, and like if they are, if he's going to be the guy to challenge Gargano next, I would need Gargano to be a babyface nephew. It does not work with like he's just not a good heel. It doesn't even make sense unless here's the only way it makes sense. Unless you do this extended thing with Gargano where it naturally happens, Johnny Gargano has a lot of Bret Hart in him. I'll say that because when Bret Hart was dealing with oh, Austin, yeah. and the fans were turning on on Bret. Not necessarily because of Brett, because of how hot Stone Cold was. And then Brett started getting pissy about fans liking him. That's how Gargano should have handled this Ciampa thing. But it should have been long term. It shouldn't have culminated with this heel turn heel. Here, he should have... The crowd was going to naturally going to boo a babyface Gargano if he continued to do super babyface things. And then at a certain point, Gargano's like, you don't appreciate me. Fuck this shit. That would have worked. That would have worked. But this, yeah. like, just kicking the nuts thing, I was like, mm, this is lame. And Candace, it don't even make sense for you to be a heel. Whatever. Because <laughs> she can't break off by herself and be a legitimate heel. No. It's pointless. That's the biggest the biggest problem. So I don't, man, I don't know. I don't know which way that goes. But they're just trying stuff. Hopefully... They do better than the main roster during this quarantine stuff because now it looks like they're recording live every week too. Ugh. Ugh, it's right. Because they have they actually have a, a whole basis and a structure for recording two months at a time. Yeah. They were just doing it six months ago. But nonetheless, I guess they have to go live as well. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of stuff going on in WWE and we can only react to it. So it's going to be crazy to see what happens this week. That is our show for today, though. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to the network, Blue Wire, for having us every week. You guys can follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hill. Again, you guys stay safe. Make sure your family stays safe. Uh, if anyone's going through anything, all of our well wishes go out to you and yours we can't wait to get through this and we can get back to you know some sort of normalcy and enjoying the sports that we love and combat sports in specific. So thank you guys again. For now, though, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.